are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. How many of you uh, know a young man who has been a part of Bethany First Church all maybe 19 years of his life? His name is Jacob Thomason. Do you know Jacob? So Jacob is a sophomore at Southern Nazarene University. A week ago, Friday, he was on a ski trip with friends out in Colorado. And uh, there was a collision with another skier. And uh, Jacob was knocked unconscious for several minutes, um, airlifted to a hospital in Denver. Uh, The diagnosis was that he had experienced an injury of the brain uh, referred to as shearing. And so really good news is that doctors are just expecting a 100% recovery. The challenge is that Jacob will go through a lot of rehab. He has had to drop out of school for the semester. He is now in one of the world's finest hospitals to help with these kinds of injuries in Denver called Craig Hospital. And uh, he'll be there for a few weeks rehabbing and then some more rehab probably when he gets home. Now, um, Jacob's father, Danny, is one of my my best friends. God gave me Danny as a friend when I came here five years ago. And... uh, Danny is a person who lives with a lot of passion, and he lives out loud, and um, there he is right there. And, uh, and what Danny has talked to me about over this last week and a few days, and what he writes about when he writes about it, and, and maybe you've read some of his stuff on social media, but as a family, they have been overwhelmed with how God's people have come along beside them, supported them, encouraged them, loved them, supported them, prayed with them, blessed them in every way. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? There we go. So here, here's what the deal is. What, what, what is happening? What, what took place there? Well, sometimes in life we experience trouble, okay? That, that's just the way life is. We experience trouble. Here's the really good news. God, already, when trouble comes into our life, okay, God already has people in place waiting to walk with us through those times of trouble. I mean, this is the story that the Jacobsons are telling. All right? Yeah, there's been some trouble in our lives, but God already had people in place to walk with us through this time of trouble. So, bottom line is this, that as you move through life, you are going to face times of trouble. Now, Rick, what do you mean when you say that I'm going to face times of trouble as I move through life? Well, I mean all kinds of trouble. So you're going to have trouble in relationships. I hate to say that, but that's true. We all experience trouble in relationships. So whether it's dating relationships or family relationships or friendships, whatever it is, there's going to be trouble. We sometimes run into trouble and concerns as we parent. See, Annette and I believed when we sent our first daughter, Brittany, off to college, we kind of said, well, one one of them's done and uh, that one's kind of taken care of now. We've kind of worked with her and, and that we were shocked that next year. 
We probably invested more in Brittany's life that year than we had all the other years combined. We didn't know that when you got them raised, you just didn't worry about them anymore, okay? We, we were naive. Um, I, I think that there's trouble sometimes in career, in job. There's trouble in finances, potentially. There, there is trouble when it comes to losing people that you love to death. There are other kinds of losses in our lives. Um, there are... Um, you know, unexpected pregnancies. There are people who are unable to get pregnant. There are people who suffer from miscarriages. There are people who suffer in marriages. Can I get a witness in the house? I didn't think so. Um, I mean, this list just goes on and on. Sometimes people have accidents. And there are injuries. In fact... If you ever hear a preacher talk about you follow Jesus closely enough and you know what He asks of you and you can avoid a life of trouble, that is the antithesis of what Jesus Himself said. Jesus Himself said, in this world you will have trouble. Okay? There's also sickness. Every one of you have had sickness. Every one of you will have sickness again. So whether it's the common colds that we're all fighting today or the flu of the season or if it's something that threatens your very existence you have dealt with and you will deal with sickness like you have dealt with and will deal with trouble everybody in the room has had to deal with personal sin in your own life there are no exceptions to this the Bible says all that would include you and me, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You have dealt with personal sin in your life, and you will be tempted to sin again. I'm sorry, but that's the fact of the matter. And as long as you and I are in the flesh, we will again be subject to sin. So there is trouble, and there is sickness, and there is sin, but God is already got His people in place to walk with anybody who faces trouble or who faces sickness or who deals with personal sin. That's really good news. Yeah. Let me go to James with you. The book of James, chapter 5, okay, verse 13. James, chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble. And here's what James says. He should pray. All right? Now I want you to make no mistake about it. This passage is about prayer. Is anybody in trouble? He should pray. N.T. Wright writes, prayer is that place where heaven and earth overlap. Prayer is that place where heaven and earth overlap. The person who prays, N.T. Wright says, stands with one foot in the place of trouble and sickness and sin, 
and the other foot in the place of hope and healing and forgiveness. I, I think I should say it again, okay? Because prayer is that place where heaven and earth overlap. The person who prays, prays with one foot in the place of trouble and, and sickness and sin, and the other foot in the place of hope and healing and forgiveness. God gets involved in our everydayness when we pray, okay? And so what, what we're understanding here is that we are called in these times to pray. But not only do we pray, and you're going to see the shift as I move from this passage, through this passage, is not only do we pray, but we actually talk to others. We even confess stuff like sin to others, trouble to others, and they get involved and pray with us, and they become a part of our recovery. So let me take you through that. Anyone in trouble, he should pray. Anybody happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anybody among you sick? Well, if somebody among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess what? Your sins... To each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, he gives an illustration, okay? Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The last two verses are in reality a different subject. But there is a common thread here, and so I want to read them to you. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back. Now, the reason it's a different subject is because he's really talking about false teaching that was happening within the church. And if somebody has bought into this false teaching, you should not just let them go. You should go after them. And he says, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over, atone for, a multitude of sins. Forgiveness will come. And still yet, this is in this context of community. When life goes off track, we need the people that God has already put in place around us. You know, uh, I... I've been a pastor for, you know, several years now. And one thing that never quite ceases to amaze me is that when I go to a hospital to see somebody and pray with them, um, they want to show you stuff. And I don't understand it. But, I mean, before you can, before you, can you know, defend yourself, they throw the covers back, you know. <laughs> They want to show you scars. They want to show you broken bones. They want to show you... They just want to show you. I mean, you're just... You walk in, how are you doing? They just throw the cover back. You know, and it, whoa! And so, I think I've told you before that I have these issues where that this vagal nerve is what they call it in my neck. And, and when I see the wrong thing, everything goes into slow motion, you know. I remember one kid one day had been in a car wreck. He had broken so many bones. He was in such a mess. And boy, here goes the covers. And I'm saying, get your nurse, get your nurse, get your nurse. And I'm just 
becoming a puddle on the floor, you know. When we break something, what are we wanting? We're wanting full recovery, right? We're wanting that to heal. Um, When we talk about the economy going through turbulent times, how do we talk about the economy? We're hoping that the economy will what? Recover, right? So if you look up the word recovery in the dictionary, recovery simply means this. It means to return something to its normal state. Now, I know. How do you define normal, right? But that's the definition of the word recover. Return something to its normal state. The word recover. The, 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 the idea of recovery, though, is a little different from that. And, and it can sometimes have this connotation. And, and that is to, to regain something that has been lost. So you just let that one soak in a little bit. What have you lost? What have you lost due to trouble that's come into your life? What have you lost due to sickness that's come into your life? What have you lost due to sin that's come into your life? See, now, we all get that, don't we? And so the truth of the matter is, a lot of us need to experience recovery. Right? Because a lot of us would say, Pastor Rick, I've lost something due to the troubles that I've experienced. I've lost something due to sickness. I've lost something due to sin. And I need to regain what has been lost. Here's what Jesus said. I have come to seek and save that which has been lost. I know, this is awesome stuff. This is Jesus' mission. He's about recovery. Right? So when we think about things like Celebrate Recovery, and we're talking for a couple of weeks about Celebrate Recovery, what we can learn from Celebrate Recovery, what if the church began to look more like Celebrate Recovery, we we sometimes kind of get this idea that recovery is really for people who have, you know, major issues in their lives. But the truth is, most of us have major issues in our lives. If you don't think you have major issues in your life, why don't you just ask your spouse this afternoon, do I have any major issues in my life? (laughs) And what you will come to grips with is another term that is used in this world of recovery. And that term is denial. (laughs) No, I don't think I have issues. And the truth is that Celebrate Recovery could help a lot of us. Because we have faced trouble, and we have all dealt with sickness, and we have all dealt with personal sin. And God already has a group of people ready to walk with us through our times of recovery from trouble and sickness and sin. All right? Okay, so we always think about what do we do, and James makes it really clear, you should pray. That's what you should do. You should pray. Is anybody among you in trouble? Let them pray. And then he says, is anybody happy? Well, they should sing songs of praise. And, and, and we agree, um, I shouldn't say we because I don't know that you agree, but um, people who study the passage 
uh, people who study the passage for a living uh, would pretty much agree that these two ideas are connected. And the idea here is this, that if I'm in trouble, I pray, and that also because of my trust in God, I can come to this place of having deep-seated joy in the midst of my trouble, okay? Because I have trust in God and God walks with me. And then he moves to this other idea. Not only if you're in trouble, you should pray, but he has this conversation about is anybody sick? Well, then the elders of the church should come together and pray over them, anoint them with oil. Now, I love it when at the end of the service, many times we say, hey, um, if you want to come and be prayed for, there'll be a pastor here, there'll be a pastor here. And usually in that invitation, we talk about the fact if you want to be prayed for because you're sick, then they have oil and they will anoint you and they will pray for you. This is a direct response to the command of the Scripture right here. We don't believe that that little bottle of oil that we carry has any healing power. We believe that it is a symbol of the healing power of our Father. Okay? And so you should pray. The the next few lines, though, make us scratch our head a little bit because it says stuff like this, um, that, that, that that person will also be forgiven of sin. And so we ask ourselves, so what is the connection between sin and human suffering or sickness? Because there seems to be in the New Testament, both with James and then with Jesus, this idea that there was some kind of connection as well as with Paul. But we don't believe that all human sickness or suffering is a result of personal sin. You remember when Jesus was asked one day by his disciples who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind. And Jesus said, neither. And what Jesus was saying was, you can't say that human suffering or sickness is a result of a person's personal sin. But it seems like there are times when that sickness, sin rather, can lead to sickness. And then there's this other question that causes us to scratch our head a little harder when that person will be made well. Does he mean that that person always will be made well? It's like a formula. If you do this, 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 then everybody gets well. And obviously that is not consistent with the New Testament teaching. And so we have to ask ourselves, what does James mean by that? The trouble with that whole conversation is that if we're not careful, we will eliminate something from the conversation that James is having that we should not eliminate. And that is that there is great power in other believers coming and praying for you and walking with you. And what we don't want to do is take that away from the passage because that is the central point of the passage. Okay? And then there is this shift. All right, I'm just going to give you my straight-up thoughts here, okay? When I go to celebrate recovery, here's what happens when a person stands up in front of the group. They say their name. Hello, I'm Drake. A minute ago you heard him. A group of people said back to Drake, Hi, Drake. And then, and then here's what the person does, okay? They say... I'm a grateful believer in our Lord Jesus Christ and I'm celebrating recovery in the area or areas of. And then right there in that moment, they say it out loud. I have never grown comfortable with it. I mean, if it is 
issues with control, that's what they say. If it's pornography addiction, that's what they say. If it's an alcohol addiction, they just say it out loud. I mean, they stand up and they, right there in front of everybody, just... It's like you're in the shower and somebody pulled the curtain back. They're just exposed. James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. So I want you to get this, okay? This is what just blows my mind. This is just the people that celebrate recovery. They actually do what the Bible says. Go figure. Now, they don't, they don't do that at Walmart. They do that in this safe place. The each other is very important, okay? They, they do that in this safe place where people are praying for one another and confessing to one another. And, and, and when they get out of those rows and, and they get into those smaller circles, they even get more honest with each other than that. And, and here's where most of us struggle. And here's why a guy like me says, you know, when they get up and say that, I just, I'm just, I'm on the edge just a little bit. It's because that, that we don't really want to admit our struggles. What, whether that's just troubles we're going through or sometimes even sickness. I don't want everybody knowing all of my stuff or, or sin. Because we don't want to appear like we've got struggles and troubles, right? I mean, I want you to think that I have it pretty much all together. I don't want you to see my weaknesses. But here's what we can learn from Celebrate Recovery. They realize that we confess to one another and we pray for one another so that God, by His power can do the healing work that our lives are so desperate to experience. So, I love these words. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We assume that James means that they are already in tune with God. Sin dulls our prayer life. It hinders our sensitivity to God. But a person who is a righteous person is already in tune with God in His will. So, so what if, what if, what if, dream with me, what if, what if we begin to live more like that? Instead of saying, you know what, I got it. I got this. I can do it. And we call on an old friend named Willpower who was way overrated. Okay, just, just for fun, it's January 14th. We're 14 days into the new year. How many of you have already fallen off the wagon with your New Year's resolutions, you know? No, no, no. The, the Bible's very clear. Are you in trouble? Is there sickness in your life? Is there sin in your life? You should pray. You know what else you should do? You should call these other people together to pray over you. You know what else you should do? You should confess to one another. And you should pray for one another that you can experience healing. 
Now, there's a ton of hope here today. I, I want you to leave this place today feeling hopeful. If there is trouble in your life, if there is sickness in your life, if there is sin in your life, I don't want you to leave today thinking, there's just no... I mean, it's always been, it always will be. No, no, no. Listen, Elijah, he was a man like us. He was a human being too, James says. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't have special powers. Do you know who has special powers? There is only one who is supernatural. And that is God Himself. Elijah was a man like us, but he prayed. Do you understand the power of prayer? Do you understand that God has all kinds of power? Do you know what God can do about the trouble in your life and the sickness in your life and the sin in your life? God has power, not Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us. He was a human being too, but he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years, and it didn't rain for three years, and then he prayed. And then the rain came and the crops, you know, grew. Do you understand that God has special power? You know, to, to, to live your life under the assumption that there's no power beyond what I can muster up with my own strength is a defeated life. You know. So, the really great news here is that when there's trouble and sickness or sin in your life, That there are people that God has already put in place to pray with you and walk with you. I found something this week that was a nugget. Man, it's good stuff for me. Written by a lady named Sue Kidd. I think was the editor of Guy Post, maybe. Once I get everything cleared up, I'll go on. Sorry about that. But she was at a spiritual retreat, and, and she says, one, one day after morning prayers, I walked to the edge of a pond, and I sat on the grass. I listened to the wind sigh over the water, and I tried to be still, to simply be there and to wait in that moment in God's presence. But almost instantly, she said, my inner chaos rose up. The need to keep moving, to act, to solve everything overpowered me. And so I got to my feet. And as I returned to the guest quarters, I noticed a monk. And he was sitting perfectly beneath a tree, perfectly still. There was such a reverence in his silhouette. Such tranquil sturdiness that I paused to watch. He was a picture, listen to this, okay? He was a picture of waiting. So later, I sought him out. I saw you sitting beneath the tree, just sitting there so still. How is it that you can wait so patiently in a moment like that? I can't seem to get used to the idea of doing nothing. And then he took his hands and he placed them on my shoulders and he peered straight into my eyes and he said, I hope you will hear what I'm about to tell you. I hope you will hear it all the way down to your toes. When you are waiting, 
you are not doing nothing. You are doing the most important thing there is. If you can't be still and wait, you can't become what God created you to become. Now, as I'm reading that, I'm the guy who is studying at my house on a sermon in my little office. And before I know it, I'm looking out the window of my family room wondering, how, how did I get in here? I thought I was studying. I mean, I'm, I live life too fast. And, and those words, those words took on real meaning for me. If what today you're hearing me say is, okay, if I've got trouble or sickness or sin, I find some people and they're going to walk with me through this. It's not what I said. I said if you're finding yourself with trouble, sickness, or sin, and you find this group of people, you should pray for each other. Yeah. Because these people don't have power. God possesses the power. He's all we've got. He's been gracious to give us each other, to pray for each other that we might be healed. And so I wonder how many times I've jumped up and the Lord was saying and I wasn't hearing it. Rick, just wait a minute. Just wait in my presence. Just pray. Just be with me. So, Harlan, why don't, why don't you come, and I'm throw you a bit of a curveball, but um, I, I don't know how this can't be one of those Sundays where I don't say to you, is anybody in trouble this morning? Is anybody sick this morning? Anybody got sin in your life? You should pray. And so I want you to stand with me, okay? And... Um, and I don't think I need any more of an invitation than that. There will be people, pastors, Chris is over here, Lewis will be over here, Mike will be around, other pastors. And they would love to pray for you. Or you can just come and pray here by yourself. Or you can grab the hand of the person beside you. Or you can go across the room and take the hand of somebody and say, would you come and pray with me? All that's okay. too much for you for whatever reason to come down here you might just take the hand of somebody near you and pray where you are but you should pray if there's trouble if there's sickness if there's sin you should pray today before you go you have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.